Bonjour and bienvenue to Battle Royale, where we are passing judgment on all of the kings and emperors of France, from Clovis to Napoleon III. Who will be selected as the Comte de la Crème, <laughs> and who will be sent to the guillotine. Liza needs to answer her phone. <laughs> Sorry about that. My brother's asking me when I'm leaving. Put it, don't put it on the desk. Sorry. <laughs> we are recording this episode back to back with Hugh the Great's episode. Um, it's also Mardi Gras today. Woo! So happy Mardi Gras if you're in Sydney, but like for a week ago now. Yeah. After this comes out. Yeah. Mardi Gras is like kind of like our pride for people who don't know. Like in America, they have like pride celebrations yeah. usually in June. But yeah. ours is a bit more dampened down this year though. Yeah, well, it's usually we have it. The reason we have it in February is because it's the summer. Yeah. But it's not very summery. And also, <laughs> lately. like COVID, it hasn't been as big fun no. parade. But it feels like next year they'll probably bring it back because we're also doing the world. Well, hopefully next year pride. there's less COVID around. <laughs> Are we hosting like World Pride? Yeah, we meant to do World Pride in 2023. Yeah, so, so. hopefully they'll bring back big one. Yeah. yeah. No, I might not be there for that. So. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and Eliza, this is the last time Eliza and I are going to be in person recording until she goes to Japan. But let's get so straight. So I would have just left by the time this episode's released. Yes. Actually, I would have left on that day. <laughs> on today. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. But let's get straight into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about Louis the Fourth, mm-hmm. also known as Louis Doutremer. Mm-hmm. So he was born in September of either 920 or 921. Okay. Don't know what year, but definitely it was September. And he was the only child of Charles the Simple and his Anglo-Saxon wife, Edgifu of Wessex, mm-hmm. who was still fresh off the boat from England yep. when she gave birth to the future king. Damn. So Louis's life started with a bang. The year after he was born, Robert's Rebellion started. He was only about two or three years old when his mother had to escape with him across the English Channel. Yeah. Because his father, Charles the Simple... Tried to take back his throne, but then he'd been captured after the Battle of Soissons. So that was in 923. Mm -hmm. This is how Louis becomes known as Louis Doutremer, which means Louis from overseas or Louis across the sea. (laughs) Or in Latin, his name is Ludovicus Transmarinus. Oh, I like that. Across the sea. So that's a fun name. Louis was taken in by his mother's brother. His uncle. His uncle. Uh, but I want to make sure, clear which uncle, <laughs> King Athelstan, yes, who reigned over the golden age of the Anglo-Saxons, mm-hmm. arguably. He expanded his kingdom into Mercia and North- Northumbria. Mm-hmm. So he basically was the first king of England to control all of England. Mm-hmm. And he expanded as far north as the Scottish lowlands. And he subjugated a lot of the Welsh princes as well. So he basically created a British empire. Athelstan, interestingly, never married or sired any heirs. Mm. So it went to his brother after he died. And the throne... Too busy fighting. Well, it's it's unclear. The historians think it was just because he was a bit pious. Mm. Yeah. But um, he had a number of wards who he raised. One of them was Louis. So Louis was raised with the assumption that Athelstan would eventually champion his claim to the throne. Yeah. Yes. And the day came in the year 936... When, about a month after the death of King Rudolf of France, mm. an embassy sent by Hugh the Great uh, rocked up at York, uh, where Athelstan and Louis were residing together. Yeah. It's like, hi, would you like to come back and be king? <laughs> sorry for deposing your dad. <laughs> we're really sorry. Just pretend that never happened. Yeah. So, King Athelstan initially reacted to this proposition with scepticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's like, is it a trap? Yes. What? So he'd married his other sister, Edhild, yeah. to Hugh the Great some years before. But only after Hugh gave him a bunch of extremely valuable relics to prove mm. his worth. And now that Hugh was inviting over Louis, who was the last legitimate Carolingian in existence, so he's basically the most important child in the entire world, <laughs> Avalstan needed even greater assurances from the yeah. Franks. And so get ready for a lot of oaths. Mm. Um, <laughs> So I'll quote from Richard. King Athelstan, therefore, dispatched Bishop Oda, afterward the Archbishop of Canterbury, a man of surpassing justice and eloquence, as his envoy to the Gauls. Richard always calls the Franks the Gauls. It's very annoying. um, Waiting on the opposite shore. 
he brought word that King Athelstan would be happy to let Louis go as long as they showed him the same honour in Gaul that he had received among the English. And they swore an oath to that effect. If they were unwilling to comply with his wishes, Athelstan would give Louis one of his own kingdoms to rule. Uh, where he would be content and happy among his own people, and he would not be bothered by strangers. (laughs) Duke Hugh, with the agreement of the rest of the magnates of Gaul, said that he would do as Athelstan wished, so long as Louis did not stand aloof from his council after he had been made king. Mm. Mm. And he followed this by agreeing to swear an oath. Mm. So many oaths. Oda, the bishop. Uh, when if he had an, a particular Oda. It's probably a similar name to Odo, but yeah, yeah, no. Anglo-Saxon version. So Oda then returned and reported all of this to uh, the waiting king. With his mind now at ease, Athelstan sent his nephew down to the ships in the company of some of his more important men, surrounded by the trappings of honour. <gasps> they embarked upon the sea with favourable breeze and swelling sails and the foaming oars bore them across the still water to land. So you know that God's on their side because he sent the favourable winds. After they had secured their ships on the edge of the beach, Louis got out and greeted the Duke, who had come to meet him along with the others, and bound the Duke to himself with an oath. Another oath. The Duke then hastened to bring forward a horse that was adorned with royal insignia. When he was getting it ready for the king to mount, It shied and reared up in different directions, but with a graceful leap, Louis jumped on and suddenly seated himself upon the whinnying horse without using a stirrup. Damn. Damn. This delighted everyone who was there and won him a great deal of praise. Except for you. Taking up Louis' arms, the Duke went before him as his weapon bearer until the king commanded him to hand his arms over and to the other magnates of Gaul. With these men in military attendance upon him, Louis was brought to Long with a great deal of pomp and with a large escort. Mm-hmm. There at the age of 15, he took up the rights of kingship and with everyone's support, he was consecrated king by Archbishop Artold, mm-hmm. assisted by 20 bishops. Mm. From there, he was taken to the neighbouring cities where he was welcomed joyously. <laughs> All the people cheered him on and everyone rejoiced so great was the unity of sentiment that prevailed among them. So there we go. That was a long passage. Mm. But you get a sense of this triumphant return. return of the king. It's all like the last scene of Lord of the Rings, oh. where they're all at the big God. wedding coronation thing. I'm so not going to watch that Amazon one where it's like a prequel thing. Because I'm like, it has <laughs> nothing to do with the books. But at least they're telling their own original story. Yeah, no. Which like- I prefer to them like trying to butcher... What Peter Jackson already adapted. Yeah. Anyway. We don't include The Hobbit in that because he kind of did butcher that. Yes. But he did very well in the series. Yeah. Of the three books. At least they're not taking an existing book and just bloating it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ruining it. Yes. They do for so many books. I mean, people thought they were going to ruin The Lord of the Rings when they first made the movies. But they were so good. Yeah. I grew up constantly yeah, watching that. Good. Every time I go to my grandma's, every summer holidays, or nearly every holiday actually, so like four times a year. Yeah. We'd be watching that. Yeah. But anyway, continuing with mm-hmm. Louis IV. So Artold, the archbishop who crowned Louis, became something of a new mentor to him. Oh. As the previous archbishops of Rams had been to his father, Charles. I remember with Hervius yeah. and with, what was his name? Falk. Yeah. Who got assassinated in the woods. Mm. So um, Artold had been a supporter of King Rudolph. Mm. It was Rudolph who appointed him. And he'd actually stood against the recrowning of Louis' father, Charles. Because mm. remember, Herbie put little Hugh in charge yeah. so that he could crown Charles again. Yeah. That, all, that plan fell apart. Yeah. Little Hugh got deposed. Artold's there. So now that a shiny new Carolingian is here, mm-hmm. Artold is ready to put all of his authority behind his new promising young king. So Louis, though he seems rather compliant at first, uh, accompanying and supporting Hugh the Great on what ends up being his own personal conquest Mm -hmm. of Burgundy, it isn't long before Louis starts to push back. He's like, I'm not a kin anymore. Yes. In fact, he starts asserting his independence suspiciously around the time his mother, Edgifu, finally comes over from England to join him in Long. Oh. Yeah. So she hadn't accompanied him originally, but now she's there. And now that she's there, she's like... Mm. These people who deposed my husband, 
Don't trust them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, she's obviously still not happy that her husband was deposed mm. and died miserably in prison. She never mm. got to see him again. Um, all because of Hugh and Herbie. Mm. Yeah. They may have all made peace and held hands since then. On the then. surface? On the surface. But Eid Gifu isn't over the fact that they essentially robbed her queenship from her. Mm. And this includes all of the lands that she was meant to have that Charles had given to her. Yeah. Or that Charles had provided in his will yeah. for her. Those are all Herbie's lands now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, the following year, um, after his coronation, Louis took some land from Herbie on mm. the grounds that they had belonged to Eid Gifu. Um. Yeah. So, he's trying to give his mother the parent dignity of a queen. Because she's, at this point, the only queen. Yeah. Louis's not married yet. So, in reaction, Hugh makes amends with Herbie uh, after they were fighting yeah. each other in Rudolph's reign. And they end up teaming up against the king. Mm. And this is the part last episode when they were like, abort. Yeah. <laughs> so, looking at the primary sources, uh, it actually upsets a later view of Louis IV that he was a do-nothing king. Yeah. He's not a do-nothing king. Um, he's not entirely beholden to yeah. his mayor of the palace equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not the same thing. But the Robertians have the land, but not the legitimacy. The Carolingians have the legitimacy. Not, not the land. land. Yeah. yeah. So Louis had two options. Either side with his most powerful Lord Hugh, or side with a collection of weaker lords against Hugh. And I think give him option B. Well, with option B. So Louis makes an unlikely alliance with Hugh the Black, the Duke yeah. of Burgundy. And while we've seen the Normans fight along the Carolingians before, the Burgundians have been reliably Robertian up to mm. this point. Uh, but Hugh the Black righteously peeved that Hugh the Great has taken his land. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh the Great countered with his own allies. He's got mm. Herbie, obviously. He also made an alliance with Otto of Germany, mm-hmm. as we know. So this was his 938 marriage to Hedwig. Yeah. Yeah. Edie having died. Yeah. And in response, Louis called Athelstan to his aid. Mm-hmm. He's like, I see you're king of Germany. I raise you a king of England. Who <laughs> will be better? Unfortunately, king of Germany is a little bit better because he's closer. Yeah. He has troops. He doesn't have to ferry them over. So, Louis also made a pact with Gisbert. Mm. Do you remember what we know about Gisbert? Where's he the Duke of? Lorraine? Yes, okay. Lorraine. Um, and who's he married to? Gisbert. Roth or something? Remember they both have names starting with G? Glolin. It's not Glyn Holder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a random peasant. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to bring that in. Um, bring that back. Geberga. Yeah. Geberga. Yes. Um, we should have said, like, what we're having for dinner tonight. Then I would have got it. Oh, burgers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. So, um, it's spelled differently, though. It's yeah, I know. B-E-R-G-A. I know. Yeah, so Gisbert, he is married to Otto's sister. So you'd think they'd be allies. But no. Geberga is siding with a different brother Ooh. called Henry, who's actually, re- he's the Duke of Bavaria, mm. and he's rebelling against Otto. Oh. So she's sided with her younger brother over her older brother. Oh. Yeah. So she's I- important. Mm. And I love Bavaria. Yes. Just saying it. Just the name. Yeah. <laughs> Just the name. So that's why Gisbert sides with Louis. He goes back to France. Yeah. After being part of Germany for a bit. He's like, mm, I've had a taste of this. Mm, let's go back. Yes. So then a series of things happened, which we covered last episode. So Louis was confident of the support of Gisbert and other Lotharingian lords. Mm-hmm. He pulled a child simple and he went to get the white whale, mm-hmm. Lotharingia, uh, in 938. However, Lotharingia, being landlocked by several hostile countries, mm-hmm. was swiftly regained by Otto yeah. in 939. Meanwhile, Archbishop Arthold had declared his loyalty for Louis over the Robertians, mm. giving the king control of Rams. So, in response, Hugh and Herbie took Rams in 940. <laughs> yes. However, by now, Louis must have received the devastating news that Athelstan, 
his and beloved uncle has died. So, and I guess he wasn't as close with the other uncle. Well, it's unclear, but yeah, Edmund the First does end up supporting him. King Edmund the First. Oh, okay. Yeah. However, I expect this must have had an impact on Louis. Yeah, it must yeah, have yeah. reduced his. Because it's like his father figure's gone. Exactly. So, as we covered last time, Hugh the Great's army successfully ambushed Louis in mm-hmm. 941 after he'd got support from Burgundy. Yep. They were defeated. And he's like, run away, run away. Yes, forcing Louis to run away all the way to Provence, whereupon Hugh took all of the king's land. So, at Provence, Louis is hosted by Charles Constantine, Woo. who's the grandson of Bozo. So, he's the son of Louis the Blind. Yeah. Who succeeded yep. Bozo, became emperor, yep. then got blinded. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Constantine is the Count of Vienne in Provence, mm-hmm. while Hugh of Arles is the King of Provence mm. and also King of Italy. Yeah. Yeah. And he reigns for quite a while. So that's our third Hugh <laughs> in mm. this episode. From Provence, however, Louis learned that Gilbert had died. Ooh. He'd been fleeing from a Saxon army and tried to swim away across the Rhine, <laughs> but he was swept away and drowned. As we mentioned last episode. So, Gilbert's son, another Henry, Mm -hmm. uh, was a minor at the time of his death. Ah, yeah. So, the Duchy of Lorraine was left in the care of Geberga of Saxony, the sister of King Otto. Yeah. So, seeing a golden opportunity, Louis Mm -hmm. sped north to Lotharingia. And before anyone can react, he sweeps Geberga off her feet and marries her. Uh, making her not only Duchess Regent of Lorraine, but now also Queen of France. Ooh, yes, she's not going to give that up. Nope. So Otto eventually recognizes the marriage in 942. Yeah. At the Treaty of Vizay, and he sees it as an opportunity to bring peace among the former Frankish kingdoms. Yes. And you know, it's like we're all family now. Makes Louis owe him one as well. Mm. Yeah. So then Otto, with that boundary secure, he can then focus on other conquests. Mm. Yeah. Otto does have some, like, on and off conflicts with Louis for the next 20 years. Yeah. But these are just minor. Yeah, yeah. They're essentially a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Little skirmishes. Little skirmishes. And Hugh and Louis are also reconciled. Because, for now. For now. Because, of course, Geberga's sister Hedwig is Hugh's wife now. They're in-laws. Yes, they're in-laws. So in 943, Hugh becomes the godfather of one of Louis and Geberga's daughters. Oh. So you get the sense that they're cooperating. Yeah. Now I'm going to read a passage from Richer about something that happens in this time. Okay. Um, this is about uh, William of Normandy, uh, who's a friend of the king. Longsword? William Longsword of Normandy. He's a friend of the king. He's feeling a bit left out of yeah. things. Here's the quote. So, now that everyone had been reconciled to him, Louis announced to the leading men that a council would be held at the royal palace of Attigny. On the appointed day, Louis was present along with the leading men of his realm, the Dukes Hugh the Great, Arnulf of Flanders, and William of the Pirates. (laughs) (laughs) So, Richard calls the Vikings pirates. Yeah. Constantly. He hates them. Um, And the tyrant, Herbert. (laughs) Yes. Really hates Herbert. Doesn't like Herbert either. Uh, nor was King Otto of Saxony absent. When King Louis withdrew behind locked doors in the company of King Otto and the other magnates, Duke William alone was not admitted. <gasps> it is not known, known whether oh, this was intentional did. or not. Mm. Didn't he organise it? Uh, no. Oh, this is at the king's palace, yeah. But as a result, he waited outside for a long time and began to grow irritated that he was not summoned. At last, he became angry, and because he was as bold as he was strong, he applied force to the locked doors and flung them open, quivering with rage. Yes! (laughs) When he entered, he saw a couch upon which Otto was reclining, higher up near the pillow, while the king sat below him, down at the end. Mm. Mm. Hugh and Arnulf were seated before them on two chairs, waiting for the meeting to proceed according to order. William could not endure this insult to the king. Was I not to be included in these deliberations? He said. Why do you even invite me? <laughs> Have I ever been tainted by dishonor due to a traitor? He drew near, seething with rage, and said, Rise up a little, my king. The king got up immediately, and William sat down. He said that it was unseemly for the king to be seen 
in a position of inferiority while someone else was positioned above him. For this reason, Otto should get up and yield his place to the king. Stricken with shame, Otto stood up and gave way to Louis, who now sat at the head with William below him. You know, I'm just imagining, like, I know it's not, but it also imagines, like, recliner and just thinking, like, Otto looked like a Roman emperor. Yeah. And, like, and, like, Louis just, like, at his feet, kind of like, Meh. Feeding him grapes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit like that. And then the, this big Viking bursts in. He's like, he's like what? No. <laughs> Gets his long sword out. He's like, this isn't your <laughs> palace, Otto. Move. Sorry, no, we decided he didn't have a long sword because... We wanted to fit him in with the contradictory epithets. Oh, yeah. So he's got a little butter knife. A little dagger. A little dagger. A little dagger. Yeah. And he, like, he, he chops one of the grapes no, in no, half. No, 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 no. Instead of dagger, <laughs> he's a shield, but he can bludgeon. Sure. <laughs> smashy, smashy. Yeah, smashy, smashy. Yes. That so, shield did not help him later in life, though. So William is clearly the black sheep of the nobility. Yeah. And this big show... According to Richard, this is a story. This is a bit of a story, but it makes uh, Hugh and Herbie turn against him and plot for his assassination. Mm-hmm. So, in Richard's account, Hugh is also involved in this assassination. Of course, even though most other historians yeah. say it was just Herbie. No, not Herbie. It was Arnolf. Actually, yeah. no, it was oh. neither of them. It was Arnolf. So, in the Richard's grand conspiracy story, <laughs> they're all involved. They're all in on it. Yeah. But actual history was probably it was just Arnolf. Yeah. Just. Stupid Flanders causing yeah. trouble. So now the rivalry between Louis and Hugh is flared up again by the mm. fact that William gets assassinated and his son Richard is a minor. Yeah. Remember that. So they're both fighting over who should have Richard as yeah. the ward. And essentially and, the power. Yes. And this all leads to a series of events that we covered last episode, which end with Louis being imprisoned first by the Normans and then by Hugh the Great. Yes, he's locked up. In the castle of Tybalt the Trickster, <laughs> the Count of Bois. And yeah, Hugh's keeping an eye on him there. However, in 946, Geberga and Eidgifu use their powerful foreign connections to get them to put pressure on France and get Louis restored to power yeah. in Law and Reims. And after two years, he is finally able to see his wife and children again. Aww. So once again, conflict is... Resolved, but only on the surface. Yeah. Hugh continues to harass the king, sending men to raid into his lands and attack the city of Rans several times. And once again, he appoints his little nephew, Hugh, also called Hugh, little Hugh, um, as the archbishop. So as a result of his antagonism, Hugh's popularity plummets among the, especially the Eastern nobles, as well as, of course, the church. Yeah. Uh, as we saw, leading to his excommunication in 948. Mm-hmm. Then he makes a formal submission to Louis IV as penance. Yeah. And we'll get more into Louis' involvement in the church councils and yeah. stuff. We'll get into that in, like, on guard, I think. So Hugh submits several times in the next few years, just in case people weren't sure what was going on. Yeah. He's definitely the king. I'm not the king, yeah. <laughs> basically. So in return, Louis and Otto get him unexcommunicated, recommunicated. Yeah. Yeah. And for the rest of Louis' Brought life. Brought that Wi Fi back. <laughs> yes. And for the rest of Louis' life, he'll be at peace with Hugh. However, mm. turns out to be a rather short life. Oh. Mm. Signs of sickliness from oh. the king start to appear as he reaches the age of 30. Oh. Though he continues campaigning, uh, now mostly alongside Hugh, against the rebellious sons of Herbie. As well as Aquitanians and Arnold. So imagine him ill in his cart, in the cart, a cart with the bed. Not in the cart. He's on the horse. No, but he's like bed. Okay. So he's like (laughs) bedridden, but he's like, I'm still going out. Yeah, he's put the um, wheels on the bed. I just saw like sporadic mentions of him being ill, so he was maybe not. He's like, (laughs) he's not ill the whole time. He just had like little periods. Then in 951, he suffers a major blow. When one of the sons of Herbie, Count Herbert III <laughs> of Amois, abducted Louis's mother, Edgifu, from her convent in Long, where she'd been Ooh. living, and forcibly married her. Ooh. So remember, Edgifu was taken away Herbie's lands. Yeah. Now they're finally having their revenge. Um, they're abducting her and forcing her to marry him. Oh. 
Very similar to like Bozo's abduction of uh yeah. of Ermengard. Ermengard? Yeah, Ermengard. Way back in the day. Damn. So yeah, so um this How old would she have been? She was she was like fifties, yeah. <laughs> so she wasn't gonna produce children, yeah, but, but they could get control over her lands. In response, Louis the Fourth, flying into a rage, yeah. confiscated all of the abbeys of Queen Edgifu and transferred them to Queen Gaberga. Mm. So this probably wasn't malicious against his mother. Yeah, more to stop them from having that access From having to access to it, yeah. Also, Edgifu was probably very old at this point, yeah. and she died soon after in the city of Soissons. Oh. Yeah. Still in- captured? Yeah, she never got to see her son again. Oh. It's a bit sad. They, they had no legal recourse to annul the marriage. Yeah. Because it had been yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit grim. Mm. Um, so, a further tragedy struck the king in 954 when one of his sons, Louis, dies at the age of six. Oh. And uh, his other, one of his other sons called Charles had also died at yeah. six. And uh, the death of this child who bore his name was perhaps an ill omen for Louis, mm. as was perhaps the wolf that he sighted in the forest oh. when he was on his way from Lon to Rance Sign to mourn the death of his son. Yes. Sign of death. Or maybe just, I don't know. Bad omens is Yeah, to them, that's a sign of death, seeing that wolf. I thought that was a black dog sign of death. The grim. <laughs> yeah. But no, that was a thing. The grim was a thing. So, not suffering such a beast to live. Uh, Flodoard tells us that the king, quote, gave chase to it. But when his horse was put to a gallop, he fell. Oh. Gravely injured, he was taken to Rance. He lay ill and weak for a long time and was aggrieved by elephantiasis. Elephantiasis. I thought it was elephantitis, but it's elephantiasis, which is swelling of the limbs. Yeah. And he was wasted by this disease and died. Oh. He was buried at the monastery of St. Remy. Oh. And we'll get to the importance of this change in okay. where the king gets buried. So mark your tally of Carolingian kings killed in convenient hunting accidents. Two. So, oh, I was going to say two or three. I was like. Yeah, well, it's two for now. <laughs> so the last one was. um. Door one. Uh, Carloman the second. Yeah. Uh, door one was different. Oh, who's that one? Door one was Louis the third. Oh. Carloman the second died in a mysterious hunting accident. Remember, he was dying and he was like, don't oh, yeah. hurt the person who. Oh, yeah. He didn't want to name who oh, killed yeah, him because. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, Louis the fourth just falls off his horse. Yeah. So upon Louis's death, the crown passes very smoothly to his 10 year old son, Lothair. Hmm. However,. Next episode will not be Lothar's episode, <gasps> because once again, we have a regency. Will be mummy? Will be mummy. <laughs> the regency is sort of assumed by the young king's uncle, Bruno, the <gasps> Archbishop of Cologne. Oh my God. You know, did you just think, we don't talk about Bruno? No? No. <gasps> Encanto? I haven't seen Encanto. Oh, you haven't even listened to song though? After this, we're watching Encanto. I haven't listened to any. I don't want to spoil it. So it's I such a good. It's like the. It's like it's beat like. Frozen I've heard now. it's good, right? <laughs> no, it's like it's like taking over Frozen's let it go. Okay, but we're not talking about Bruno for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking about Bruno next episode. Okay. Um, <laughs> however, a lasting hold on power is maintained by Gaberga, mm. despite despite Bruno. Um, so Gaberga will be the subject of our next point flyer episode. Mm. We've got a few of them. We've got two in a row, two point five episodes in a row, because she is the first queen regent of France. Cool, arguably. So I've made you wait a long time for yeah. another woman. I know <laughs> you did, because the right one just never really came up. It never really came up one that like had the right amount of sources and had like enough justification for yeah. an episode. Yeah, yeah. Now we have one. But Caberga is perfect for an episode because well, her and Fred are gonna be friends or not. Also because we get to see more of what's happening in Germany. Cool. Because it's going to be important. And he yeah. doesn't like learning about Germany. Yeah. Well, we've got the uh, the whole Ottonian Renaissance. Yeah. And her brother Otto is almost like treated like a second Charlemagne. Cool. Yeah. More so than any of the other supposed second Charlemagnes we've yeah. had <laughs> in France. So look forward to that. Woo. For now, let's review Louis IV and remind you of things that we may- maybe skipped over because we covered them Last episode. Yeah. 
So let's get into Enchante. Would you like to see image? Yes, let's hope it's better than Hughes. Enchante. Oh, it's definitely better than Hughes. He at least gets a 19th century portrait. Yeah. Which is like the bare minimum. <laughs> Please describe this man. Okay, I don't even know how to describe his face shape. It's just elongated. Well, he's got a long beard. I, think I know, helps. but it's just like, it's like those cheekbones are to die for. He's got like a funny little, like a, it's like a bob. Well, this is the hairstyle we see most kings have. Yeah, but it's not that short. Oh no, most of them have had the um, the little short bangs. Yeah, this one is like. No, this one is like it's lovely. It comes comes. But down. then it's funny little size. <laughs> anyway, he's got luscious locks. Yeah, we know lo- that. yeah, nice brown lusciousy locks with a funny little hat crown. Mm-hmm. I'm digging the funny little thing. And the return of the pinecone scepter. Woo! We haven't seen one of those in a while. Yeah, and he's just. Sitting there looking at you. Got a God, blue, his eyes. Blue They're cloak. really just like staring straight at yeah. you. Yeah. Does he look happy? No. <laughs> he just looks at like pensive. Mm. Mm. So. Um, it's like he's kind of just been made to sit there and he's like, okay, I'm just going to put on like dull face. Yeah. So this image is actually interesting because it's probably the most, of all the 19th century portraits, it's probably like the most what he might have looked like. So I really hope we'll he get had those cheekbones to die for. Why? Uh, yeah. Oh, we also have a little coin. Oh, yeah, a coin. A, a, a denier that was minted at Ooh, Chinon. Oh, I love a little coin. Got a very long nose. Yeah. Very round, Roman. round head. Very round head. It's like a bowling ball. Yeah, it's pretty much just Roman. Just yeah. a Roman coin. It's nice. Standard. Love a coin. Yeah, we haven't really reviewed many coins because, like, they all kind of... Mm. You can't really get... An image of what they might look like from the coin. I have a Spanish coin from um, uh, King Ferdinand and Isabella's That's cool. brain yeah. at home. But it probably would actually look like how they look. In this in this period, <laughs> the coins, like, don't. Yeah. They're just blobs. Yeah. Yeah. So, also, when Louis IV died, mm-hmm. his wife, Geberga, erected a grand monument to him mm. at the Abbey of St. Remy in Still Rance. around today? No. Oh. So... This wasn't normal. Okay. Um, usually you just have an effigy and a plaque. Yeah, and that you was don't about get it. a monument. Yes. It was also unusual for a, f- a queen to take charge of the king's mm. burial site in such a way. Yeah. This was not a okay. thing that happened before. Not a dumb thing. No. And now that the Carolingians didn't have control over Saint-Denis in Paris anymore, that's now Robertian. Ah, uh, yeah. They this- needed to find a new resting place. Yeah. And this was maybe Geberga attempting to create like a new center for the cult of kings as well. Yeah. Because people, of course, pilgrimaged to king's burial sites just as they did with saints. So Geberga wanted to sort of deck out this this abbey. Yeah. Make it the next Sandini. Yeah. This tradition doesn't last. (laughs) She (laughs) tried. She tried. And unfortunately, the tomb of Louis IV was destroyed. Can you guess? Before? Two? Mm-mm, before. Uh, One? Before. Napoleon. Before. Revolution? Yes, French Revolution. They, A lot of peasants went smashy-smashy and destroyed Aww. Louis IV's tomb. Yeah. Um, I guess they just really hated him. They also destroyed all the statues of Notre Dame. Aww. So the statues you see today are like 19th century. Replicas? Yeah. They recreated them, yeah. And they probably got burnt again. They smashed all the ki- they smashed all of the king's heads. They, they chopped them <laughs> off. Guilty they man. Didn't, they didn't realize that they were actually the kings of Israel. <laughs> not the kings of France, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have an image of what the tomb looks like. Yeah. But we have the next best thing because the 19th century image I showed you yeah. is closely modelled off a description of the of the king's effigy, which was given to us by the 18th century monk Bernard de Montfaucon. Okay. So he saw it before. Oh, that's good. It was just destroyed and he made a record of it. Oh, good on him. Yes. So, always count on the mark. Kind of the most accurate nineteenth-century image we've had so far. Kind of. It came from a monument from the time. Yeah. Um, he's also got an epithet. Mm-hmm. Louis across the sea. Yep. Uh, you get this image of this English. <laughs> yeah. English child. No, I just imagine him like coming back and then just trying to put on a French accent. J. Sweet Lewis. Yeah, that's what yours sounds like. Je m'appelle Lewis. Yeah. Je suis. Roy de France. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's his accent. Saying. So, 
What do I want to give for Anshan? Okay. It's going to be better than Hugh the Great. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to get a point for having a portrait. 19th century portrait, I mean. Cause well, it's the most accurate 19th century portrait we've had so far. So he's going arguably. to get 1.5 then. But don't you think the portrait looks good? Yeah, it does. Because we also give them points. For yeah, I know. Whether the Tra- portrait looks good. Yeah, like, it's okay, but it's not like, oh. Yeah. Like, you know, just- also, there's not a lot of images. Okay, I'll round up to it's two. Just a couple. For that being accuracy, you know. Um, so two for that. <laughs> Half a point for the epithet. It's not a great one. Yeah. But it is an epithet. And I'll give him a po- half a point for um, the coin. Actually, maybe so one <laughs> point for a coin. So it's 3.5. 3.5. Okay. I'm being generous there. Uh, just a coin. Okay. Um, I'm going to do a three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Didn't put too much thought in it. I'm just, it yeah. feels very three-ish. So that is a 6.5 for Enchante. That Um, 0.5 is pushing it, but... (laughs) All right, so let's move on to On Guard. On Guard. So I knew pretty much nothing about Louis IV before researching this episode. Yeah. I knew that one must have existed, but I didn't know anything about him. All I knew about him was the fact that he was raised as an exile in England. That's Mm -hmm. all I knew before researching this. And I did not have high expectations. Yeah. Because we are definitely in the tail end of the Carolinians. Yeah. So I thought he'd be a bit of a do-nothing king, yeah. but he did pleasantly surprise me. Yeah. Especially at the beginning. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, twists and turns mm. in his, his story. So that's nice. Mm. But a lot of the gains are other people. Yeah. yeah like, or even just, like, the sport like, of others, like Otto. Yeah, yeah. It's like Gaberga doing something cool. Or yeah. Igafu doing something cool. Yeah. Not him doing something cool. Like, he doesn't even resist Hugh until Igafu comes back from And England. he literally escaped from being captured and then walked himself to being captured. <laughs> literally, he presented himself at the door and was basically like, We didn't talk yeah, about that. We didn't talk about that in this episode. But, yeah, he, he was nearly captured by Normans. He... It's like he put a bow he, around his neck. He just like, escaped. He came up to this castle. He like, announced knock, knock, himself. Knock. Yeah. He's like, I'm here. Listen and to last like, episode if you want us to get into that yeah. more. But seriously. Yeah. Yeah. His actual military record of battles mm. that he fought on his own was bad. We haven't yeah. gotten into them a lot, but his core territory in Champagne and Picardy was frequently in peril, either because he's just not there. Yeah. He's off trying to conquer Lotharingia or at a council. Quite well. Or... Because he doesn't have sufficient forces to defend yeah. it. He was just to turn to other people kind of thing. His mother gets kidnapped yeah. and he's not able to do anything about right. it. He's able to take back some of that land, but he gives it to Goberga. And also his son Lothair will inherit a state majorly dependent on the Germans. Oh. And unable to fully assert its independence. Oh. His regions are the sister of the King of Germany and mm. the brother of the King of Germany. Uh. Yeah. So, not good. In addition, Hugh the Great's children are also young. Yeah. And their mother is also the sister of the King of Germany, Hedwig. Yeah. (laughs) So, the Germans just have their their fingers in all the pies. Yeah. The Saxons, I suppose, because they're the Saxon dynasty. They do rule over Mm. all of Germany. But, yeah. So, also, I didn't mention the Magyars. Hungry, hungry, Hungarians. (laughs) They weren't very relevant to the story, but... Just they imagine that they're, they're ravaging a lot of southern France. So Aquitaine's not getting much help from the king. Oh. Yeah. And then Hugh at the end swoops in, takes Aquitaine and Burgundy. Oh. Yeah. I always feel so when I'm visually, visualizing this, my visualization of France is way off what it actually looks like. When we're mm. talking about stuff, like, I'm just like, where the hell am I? Is it located I can, in? I can find you a map. Hang on. No, like, I know what it looks like and where it is, is it? but just in my visualization. Of the region. Yeah, it just makes it seem as though it is so much. Well, <laughs> you should go on our WordPress because I frequently post maps of all the places. But, okay, here's a good map. It's a nice, simple map. Is that where you pictured places being? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pictured it, but I know I always saw, like, Aquitaine's just like, oh. Well, it kind of used to be. Aquitaine has shrunk. In, yeah. Since we start first started talking about it, mm. it used to be pretty much all of southern France, and now it's kind of just the southeast, uh, southwest of France, yeah. I should say. But yeah, it's like how growing up, I always thought, um, you know, how, like England's kind of top of France, like further up in yes. France. Growing up, I always thought England was below, like location wise, to France. 
I have no idea why, but just in it. my mind. So you thought England I, was where Spain is? No, no, no. Like, so it was, I knew it was across the sea, uh-huh. but like, say you have it where it's up in like the uh, left-hand corner, right? Mm-hmm. I was imagined it as bottom left corner. Well, if you turn the map upside down, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. North is an abstract concept that we made I know, up. <laughs> but I always like imagined it as being like further south. Right. Than France. Okay. But not where Spain is. Okay. I don't know why. I mean, you did have a child who thought Queensland was a different country. True. So. Mm. Mm. Children's geography. I did not teach that, though. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, that's on guard. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm not feeling anything for that. There are some bits where it's like, ooh, he's, like, got a lot of potential and, like... But then he doesn't live up to it. He kind of doesn't live up to it. It's like, meh. There's no great victories. The power of the king is still eroding. Foreign interests are coming in and and meddling in things, getting a lot of power. I don't even know I can give anything. The one time, like, we saw that his authority, like, was being undermined and, like, he finally, like, asserted himself... That was like William Longsword being like, get up off the floor. Yeah, it wasn't even him doing it. <laughs> no, it wasn't him doing it. It was other nobles propping him up, which is kind of his whole reign. Yeah. I don't like, I was trying to think, oh, do I give him 0.5 for even tempting? Like, I think it's more than we gave some do nothing kings, which the most we gave a do nothing king was like three. I don't think he's more than three. Um, that was Childebert the third. But I think because he is kind of asserting himself over Hugh, he's not just completely submitting to Hugh. But then I guess he's submitting to other people. Yeah. Maybe I'll just give him a point for trying. No, it's a pathetic. I want to give him more than a point, but you can give him a point. I'm going to give him a point. No, I'm just not feeling anything. I have a bit of a soft spot for Louis, so I think I'm going to give him a three. It's funny, like, you're soft with Louis. I'm like, yay, Hugh. Yeah. Well, I think Louis has a bit of chutzpah that I wasn't expecting, so mm. I was pleasantly surprised. No, but just when I've heard about it, it's always someone else doing something. Like yeah. Him having to go to someone else. True. It just doesn't feel as though it's his reign. Yeah. Feels as okay, I'm going people's. down to a two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that I... See, this is why I need you. Because I'm so, like, locked into, like, what the history books yeah. are saying. And especially, like, Arisha, they're very generous towards yeah. Louis. Because they're very, like, pro-Carolingian. Yeah. He escaped those ambushes. Yeah, but then eventually he got <laughs> captured. Come on. Okay, okay. Okay, let's move on to Voulez-Vous, because that is a three. Voulez-Vous? Louis believed that peace and victory could be obtained not through vengeance, but through forgiveness. Yeah, he does seem to forgive people a lot. He often interceded on behalf of vassals. For example, Count Ragnold of Russi. <laughs> Uh, he was a Lotharingian count of Viking origin Cute. who, for his violent ways, often ended up on the church's bad side. But Louis often interceded and made sure the church didn't prosecute him too much. Mm. And it's like just give him a light little slap on the hands. Yeah, little smack. And that being said, in the sources, Louis comes off as very whiny. Mm. Yeah. Uh, even Richer, who's very pro-Carolingian, <laughs> like, mm. has this quote from when Hugh's taken long from the king. The king, quote, delivered a complaint to them in these words. This is the council. Yeah, yeah. Alas, Hugh. Alas, Hugh. How many good things you have deprived me of. What great evils you have inflicted upon me. In what miserable conditions am I now held captive? Now speaking a bit of a French accent. You... Have taken rans from me and snatched away lawn. Back to Courtney. <laughs> the, <laughs> the only two places where I could find refuge and security. My father was taken prisoner and thrown into a dungeon where he lost his life. He also bid farewell to the miseries that now oppress me. I, on the other hand, who have been cast down to the same misfortunes, have nothing to show for my father's kingdom but a public spectacle. I do not care to live any more, but I am not permitted to die. Where shall I betake myself? <laughs> so, uh, great, great. Yes, great. Quite. Then Richard said he was preparing to continue in this vein, but he was prevented from doing so by the displeasure of his audience. Uh, they're probably like, shut up. Thereupon, he regained his composure again and took counsel with his men. So, he's being a bit of a mope. He's a bit whiny. And 
Then after this, he goes to ask Otto for help again. Yeah. Again, we're not seeing those great reforms we'd love to see. Uh, The biggest example I can think of are all the synods he attends, but those mainly Otto's things. But we do once again have a king of good character. If he's a bit whiny, Mm. he's at least considered virtuous. He was raised by Athelstan to be like the model king. He had Mm. a great mentor to look up to. Um, That didn't help him. The, the synod actually shows a major point of contrast between Louis IV and Hugh. Because while Louis wants to be diplomatic and cooperative yeah. in all these conflicts, Hugh is just rampaging around and, like, He's killing like, lots of people. I'm going to have that warrior blood. So I feel like even though we have we don't have much selfish wins from Louis, we have some selfless wins. Because yeah. he's at least trying to cooperate with people. True. Make everything peaceful. Mm. Like, whenever, whenever peace is on the table, Louis always takes yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas like Hugh, a... he's like that Drake gif where it's like peace and alliance mm. Mm. and then uh, b- burning down Swasson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, at the end, Louis achieves what might be called a diplomatic victory as what, he. Death? No, but he regains the fealty of Hugh. He was forced yeah. to kiss the foot through the pressure of all the allies he has made. He's very good at maintaining the allies. Yeah. We'll say that. Not a lot of betrayals happen. Except for Hugh. Except for Hugh and except for the Normans. Herbert. Well, Herbert's dead for most of the reign. Yeah, true. Yeah. So as far as I can tell, Louis IV seems to have had a loving relationship with his family. It's also mm-hmm. a good thing. Probably modelled off his own closeness to Athelstan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have a stable transition of power. And unlike all of the Carolingian kings before him, Louis doesn't split the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Even though he has two sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So both his su- surviving sons are not kings. He said Lothar becomes sole soul king and his brother Charles, who's only an infant when his father dies. This is a second baby yeah. called Charles. Yeah. Um, he does get the territory of Lower Lorraine. Okay. Which is mostly just the Netherlands at yeah. this time, as well as Luxembourg. Hmm. Love Luxembourg. Yeah, we do. This also includes the cities of Cologne and Aachen, by the way. Hmm. So it's Lower, Lower Lorraine. Um, however, it's unclear whether Charles of Lower Lorraine is meant to be the subject of his brother, Lothar of France, or the subject of Otto of Germany. Um. And this will create a conflict because Lotharingia still a battle zone. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see that happen later, later in Lothar's episode. So that's really true. Mm. What do we think? Okay. There's some good points. Because we marked down Hugh majorly for like, he kept going to war and he, like, he kept yeah. antagonizing the king and like, he wouldn't just leave well enough alone. True. Whereas Louis, I think, ha- should have a better rule every score. Because How much should we give Hugh? We gave him a one and a two. Okay. <laughs> Which is what we gave Louis mm. for on guard. Okay. So Louis' reign is a reign of selfless wins, and Hugh's reign is a reign of selfish wins. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give him a two. I just can't. I think I'm going to give him a three. Okay. Because I think it's better than Hugh. <laughs> yeah. Solely for that reason. Okay. Okay, so that is a five for Voulevry. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to... Ooh la, Ooh la la. la. Ooh la la. There are a couple things here. Yes. Um, well, there's the death, which is very suspicious. Yeah. We don't give too many points for suspicious death, but some points for suspicious mm-hmm. death. Like, maybe 0.5 or 1. That wolf. Um, but Louis is on pretty good behaviour for most of his reign. Certainly better behaviour than Hugh. Does walking up and getting captured count as something? That's pretty stupid. We gave Hugh scandal points for that. Oh. For organising that, oh. arguably. But I don't think stupidity counts as scandal. True. <laughs> so the most scandalous things that occur during Louis IV's reign happen because of Hugh the Great. Oh, his and the mother. other vassals. Um, his mother. Um, similar to On Guard, where it's like he's not really the cause of a lot of the scandalous mm. things. Mm. He also has no known mistresses or illegitimate oh. children. Yeah. Oh. As far as we know, he's entirely faithful to Gaberga. <gasps> In fact, with the exception of his two-year imprisonment, Gaberga di- basically didn't let Louis leave her sight. Yeah. So, <laughs> either they loved each other a lot, or she was just too politically important. Well, they were politically important to each other, yeah. I suppose. However, the speed with which Gaberga got married to Louis after Gisbert's mm. death. So, Gisbert died in October of, mm-hmm. what year was it? Some year. Yeah. Gisbert died in October. October. Then they got married the same year. So they got married before January the next year. So that's three months. Maximum three months, yeah. Ooh, Which is not a very long time. Yeah. Especially in th- since this is a time where powerful widows usually don't get remarried. Yeah. Yeah. Although we'll see that's going to start sure. changing. Yes. Yeah. 
it's no longer you just get put in a nunnery. There's a lot more mm. women making strategic marriages mm-hmm. after their husband dies. Also, when you take into account that Louis, remember, visited Lotharingia early in his reign yeah. to get their support to kill yeah. Hugh. Then he went down to Provence. Then he ended up back in Lotharingia. Yeah. So he'd already probably met Geberga mm-hmm. before her husband died. So they might have already, mm-hmm. she'd already Had like. some feelers. Yeah. She's like, I can sink my claws into him. Also, she's well, eight years yeah. older than him, by the way. Yeah. So she's an older woman. She's a bit of a cougar. Got some experience. She's 26. He's 18. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be scandalous. There's an older woman, younger man. For the time. Yeah. Bit scandally. Yeah. Someone had also been remarried and she's now queen. Yeah. I don't think it's as bad as Hugh who got, because we're continually um, yeah. comparing them just because, yeah. you know, they were at the same time. I think it's a fair comparison. Yeah. Even though they start off in very different yeah. situations and they're very different ages. Yeah. Um, Hugh got 6.5 from each of us. Okay. It's going to be less than that. Yeah. Much less. Yeah. There's a few, there's like a couple of juicy things, but you really have to read into it yeah. to get out the okay. juice. Okay. Okay. I want to give half a point of his inability to protect his own mother. <laughs> Come on. How many guards did he have around her? None. But you're going to give him points for that. Yeah. For but he didn't cause that. I know, but he couldn't even look after or even get her back. But why are we giving him points oh, for that? Right. <laughs> why are we rewarding him uh-huh. for losing his mum? Dumb. Yeah, so he gets points knocked up. He got points knocked True. up for that in on guard. Okay, so he gets one point for his <laughs> wife, and that's it. I don't think you understand the point system, Eliza. No, I'm just trying. You if know we me. don't like something, we don't give them points for I it. I know. All of ours for the juicy stuff that I we know, like. the fun things and yeah. the murder. The murders. And the poison. The poison. <laughs> um, but yeah, no poison, no murder. Okay, he's going to get a point for his wife. Suspicious death as well. And I think falling of a horse is that suspicious. Feels no, like and he was, he was already a bit sickly. And he had elephantitis. I didn't get elephantitis back then. You get everything back then. Everything we have now, they had that plus more. True. <laughs> Except maybe Except for COVID. Except for COVID and AIDS. Yeah. yeah. Those are more recent. But yeah. yeah. They have polio. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I'm not a disease historian. No, I'm going to stick with one point. I'm thinking like a 1.5. Then he's half a point below Robert the first, mm. who wasn't very scandalous either. But he did overthrow a king. So mm. I feel like you should get it. You know what? No, I'm doing one. <laughs> okay. I'm doing one. So that is a two for Ulala. Now let's get into La Vie en Throne. Mm-hmm. La Vie en Throne. So he reigned from the 19th of June, 936, mm-hmm. when he was brought to mm-hmm. over from England. To the 10th of September, 954, when he fell and died. So that is 18 years, 2 months, and 22 days. Okay. Substantial. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And um, he had three surviving children with Geberga. They had a total of seven children, Aww. but only three survived. Common, I guess, back then. Common. They had quite a lot of sons, but only two survived. Which, yeah. as we will see next reign, is probably a good thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> But it does mean they haven't fully, like, restocked the Carolingians. Mm, like, yeah. there are still very few Carolingians around. On that tree. Exactly. It's a very, it's a bit of a shrub. Mm. Yeah. So, we've got Lothair, who becomes king of France. Mm. Lothair or Lothar? I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Lothair sounds more French. Lothair. So, I think I'm going to go with Lothair. Rather than Lothar, Lothar, which sounds a bit more German. Because we've said Lothar mm. before yeah. in the past. Lothar. I think Lothair is nice. Anyway, you can spell it either way. But Lothair, King of France, is the first child. Second child uh, who survives is Matilda, who married King Conrad of Upper Burgundy. Mm. So he's a wealth, Mm. by the way. And the third child is Charles, Duke of Lower Lorraine, who was younger than the other two by about a decade. So he was born just before Louis died. So it's like my two brothers. They're 10 years apart. (laughs) Yeah. So that is a V on throne score. So we got, sorry, we got 3.4 points for the reign of 18 years. And then for the uh, three children, we got 5.07 points. Oh, yeah, that's good. So that's 8.47 overall. Do we want to see the total score? The grand total. The grand total is 24.97. It's basically 25. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, nine to seven because I was one nine to seven, and then I just turned twenty five. So maybe be like, oh, ah. <laughs> funny. So that's that's Louis the Fourth. 
So now we have to decide. Is he fascinating enough, entertaining enough, majestic and fabulous and irresistible enough to be released from our dungeon, to go through the Battle Royale Championship, and to be spared the guillotine? Okay, so I know you have a soft spot for him, but no. <laughs> no, no, no. He gets me chopped. I have a soft spot for him, but I was at no point Not enough. considering. I mean, maybe at one point when I was in the recession, I was like, oh, he's a bit underrated, actually. Not enough to survive. Not enough to survive, no. He went in that arena back, chop, chop, chop. Literally get on the horse of the jousting and fall off and die. Yeah, well, it sounds like he was chasing the wolf, yeah. and then like he That's was, he things. was all sick, he was all sickly, and he was just like, no, <laughs> 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 coughing bit, it's like, oh, <laughs> 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 it fell. Yeah. Okay, so now I have a surprise. Ooh. A couple episodes ago, you said a good idea for a quiz would be me showing you how things are spelled and you trying to pronounce them. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have a that. I have a reverse spelling bee where I spell something out and you have to pronounce it. Okay. I have Can I have the, a piece of paper to write it down? I have a list that I pre-wrote. Oh. So I'm going to spell it out because I also have a list. Okay. I'm going to spell them out and you're going to Okay. Pronounce them. Okay. <laughs> okay. These are all these are all cities in France yep. and like battle mm-hmm. places. Okay. So first one, N A R B O N N E. Navon. Yes. Oh yeah. Correct. T O U R S. Tours. Silent S. Tour. Although I often say tours. Yeah, no. Accidentally. That's why. P O I T I E R S. Poitiers? Poitiers? Poitiers. 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 Should O-I, I O-I is, is, is wa. Wa. So it's Poitiers. Poitiers. Yes. Don't ask me why. Mm. Uh, <laughs> N-A-N-T-E-S. Nats? Nat. Nate. Nant. Nant. Okay. Remember S's? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to forget that. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one. V O U I L L E. Voulez? Voulez? You're not going to like this one. <laughs> Volez. Ole. Vie. <laughs> <laughs> That's another rule. Uh, double L's are pronounced Y. Okay. In yeah, French. Yeah. It's like tortilla. <laughs> Think of it like that. L E space M A N S. Le Man? Or is it Le Mans? Le Ans. Your first one was pretty close. I would accept Le that Mans. if you like to say Le Mans. It. It's Le Mans. Le Mans. Yeah. Okay. A-R-R-A-S. Arras? Yes, Arras. Oh, I thought you were going to not pronounce the S in that one, but you do pronounce the S in Arras. Okay, um, okay next one. M-E-A-U-X. It's going to be saying like Mew or something. Mewx. 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 So remember, these are the places we mentioned before. This is the place near... Paris, that was named after a character in The Simpsons. Mo. Yes. <laughs> uh, next one. A-V-I-G-N-O-N. Avignon. Avignon. Avignon, yes. Okay. Yes. The sort Bourgogne. R-O-U-E-N. Rouen. Rouen. You're close enough. Yeah. This one's a bit hard. <laughs> C-O-M-P-I-E-G-N-E. Compiègne? Yes, Compiègne. Yeah. Uh, next one. Uh, if I didn't have that little thing of thing, I would be like, Compiègne. Yeah. L-Y-O-N. Lyon? Yeah. T-R-O-Y-E-S. I feel as though it's not Troyes. It's not Troyes, although everyone says Troyes. Troyes? Trois. Trois. Un, deux, trois. Yeah, it's pronounced exactly like the number three. B-O-U-R-G-E-S. Bourges? Bush, yeah. Uh, which is the capital of Berry. Berry and Bush. A R L E S. Arles. 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 You keep pronouncing the S at the end. <laughs> yes, Arles. All the ones with E. I said the first time. All Arles. the ones with E S at the end, don't pronounce the S. Don't That's a hot tip. Unless there's an accent. Okay. <laughs> Next one M A R M O U T I E R. Mamutier. Yeah. Mamutier. Oh. Yeah. Next one. D-O-U-Z-Y. I feel like it's not doozy. 
It is Daisy. Oh, it is. Yes. yes. <laughs> some of these are some of these are just as they're spelled. So. Okay. Um, B o u l o g n e. Bologna. Yeah, Bologna. Yeah. Bologna. We mentioned that last episode. Yeah. I was about to be like Bologna, and then yeah. I was like, no, Italy. It is Bologna. I mean, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. S e n s. I'm guessing it's like sen. Sens. Ends. I've mentioned this place so many times. Sen. Song. Song. It's song. song. Yeah. Yeah. Song. Okay. And uh, M-E-T-Z. Mets. Mets. Yeah. (laughs) That was just how it's spelled. S-O-I-S-S-O-N-S. Swasson. Yep. You're recognizing some of these? Uh, A-N-G-E-R-S. It looks like Angus, but it's (laughs) It's Angus. It's not Angus. Anger. Angers. Angers. Okay. The capital of Anjou. Anjou. Yeah. Okay. Then A-U-X-E-R-R-E. Auxerre. Yeah. Auxerre. V-I-E-N-N-E. V-N. Yep. N-E-V-E-R-S. I'm guessing it's not Nevers. Not Nevers. Nev. Nevers. Nevers. Yeah. E-U. I'm guessing it's not E-U for European Union. We mentioned this in Rudolph's episode. U-U-O-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
on our Kofi page, ko-fi.com slash Battle Royale with an E. And also, happy Mardi Gras. Even though it's a been while back. two weeks now. Thank you, everyone, for my birthday messages from yes, the other week. I really it. appreciated it. Yep. It's nice that people wish you happy birthday. Yeah. Yes. Glory to Ukraine. Yeah. And Putin. Yeah. <laughs> Putin. And that's going to be au revoir from me. Goodbye from me.